But we want to equip you, not just answer the questions, but we want to equip you to answer the questions for somebody else. In uh, 1 Peter 3.15, this is what it says. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So you need to be able to give a defense for the hope that is in you. So when someone comes in and tries to ask you why do bad things happen to good people, you can give them an answer. Um, and there's tons of questions that we could answer, you know, this month. And we won't get to all of your questions. But I did look up a few questions that I want answers to. Maybe you guys can help me. I don't know if we're going to be able to get to all of these. Um, but the first one is... When atheists go to court, do they have to swear on the Bible? Some of you are like, is that, is he serious or? It's a good question though. Why does quicksand work slowly? If you are bald, <laughs> what hair color do they put on your driver's license? Brown? Okay, good. They go by the eyes maybe, I don't know. If God sneezes, what should you say? can't say God bless you. You got to, I don't know. What do you say? You bless you. Um, if man evolved from monkeys, how can we still have monkeys? It's a good question. We might actually answer that one. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? Maybe Karen can help us with that. Yes. Okay. She's like an esthetician person. So she might know that answer. Um, if a fork were made of gold, would it still be considered silverware? Very, very important question. Are children who act in rated R movies allowed to see them? I've never, I've never pondered that one. How do clouds hold millions of pounds of water yet they still float in the sky? That's deep right there. And my favorite question and one I really would like an answer to is, who was the first person to look at a cow and say, I think I'll squeeze these dangly things in here and drink what comes out? <laughs> if you can research that, please email Colin or Kenny and uh, let them know what the answer to that is, because I really want to know that. We're like the only species that drink other species' milk, so it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. That's why I drink almond milk. Barely. But, um, so those are some questions. We're not going to answer those questions. But those are some questions that you can feel free to look up yourself. What I do want to touch on today is the supernatural. There are questions about the supernatural, not only in the church, but outside of these walls. And the supernatural is, is, is a, it's a huge question. Um, and I want to kind of dive into that a little bit today and do what we can. But you and I are spirit beings. We are created by God. And he is a spirit, and he created us in his image and his likeness. We are spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. And so we are created to um, crave spiritual connection. We are created to want to connect with a supernatural world, something that's bigger than ourselves, a being that is bigger than us, that, that created us, that created the world. And so that's why um, I want to talk about it today, because there's a lot of different powers that people claim to have. There's powers in the world that people claim to have, and there's powers in the church that people claim to have. We want to talk about, is it real? Is it real? And what's more powerful? And is it the same? So we're going to dive into that. And I, didn't, I don't know if you believe in the supernatural, but when I came to this church nine years ago, I wasn't sure about it. It wasn't like I didn't believe in it. It's just no one ever told me about it. And so when I started to hear about it, I was like, yeah, that's what I've been missing. I'm like, that's the void. We all have a spiritual void, uh, especially if we don't believe in Jesus, because with Jesus comes the Holy Spirit, which connects us directly to heaven, directly to God. 
And so when I first came to the church, some of you know this story, even before I got here, somebody from this church came and prayed for me because I had kidney failure and my kidneys got healed in the hospital. Supernatural power. And then I started coming to this church and I went to something called the Freedom Conference. And if you've never been to the Freedom Conference, which, hap which is happening in January of 2016, uh, if you didn't believe in the supernatural, you will then believe in the supernatural. Because you see things, you see things that are shocking. You see things that are, that are crazy. I can remember there was a guy who was, you know, oppressed by evil spirits. And there were six of us that were holding him to the ground because he had supernatural strength. And even with six of us holding him, he was still making progress towards the minister. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was kind of something I've never seen before. It's kind of exciting to think you could tackle somebody in church, you know? But, like, we were holding him down. And then, and then the same guy got up later, and we were praying for him. And, and um, Pastor Mike Connell, who's the guy that we bring in to kind of minister to those, I was um, behind Pastor Mike. So he's right here. This gentleman is right here. And so I'm kind of like this because this guy was, you know, he was aggressive and he was, you know, overcome by evil spirits and stuff. And so finally, uh, Pastor Mike went to give this guy a hug. And so I was standing right behind him. So the guy fa is facing me right here. And this is Pastor Mike looking that way. And he actually turned his head to Pastor Mike and said, I hate you in his ear. And it wasn't him speaking. It was the demon speaking. And then he turned and looked at me and said, I hate you too. And I said, well, I don't like you either. You know, I was like fired up, man. And uh, then we, you know, continue to, to pray for him. And then later on in that conference, I was praying for different people. I got a chance to pray for people. And, you know, I was casting out demons and, and it was great. And then I started to approach this young lady who was, um, and she started to scream. So I was maybe three people away from her and she, she started to scream. Because oftentimes when spirits know that they're about to encounter God, they get scared and they start to scream. So I, I started to, to get closer to her and then I prayed for her. And as I prayed for her, she went out under the power of God and yelled out, I hate you to me and the spirit left but it wasn't her I wasn't offended it wasn't her it was the spirit that was telling me that he hated me or it hated me or whatever because I'm pretty sure this girl we were friends she liked me so um, I know it wasn't her but I experienced supernatural power um, and, and we are created for that we are wired to want to connect with supernatural power that's why people seek mediums, psychics, fortune tellers, magic, black magic. That's why people seek that stuff because we are created to connect with a supernatural power. And if they don't know that it's in the church, if they don't find it here, they're going to find it somewhere else. And Hollywood takes advantage of this. Has anybody heard of um, Harry Potter before? Anybody ever heard of that? Um, well, Wikipedia, who's always 100% correct, said that Harry Potter was uh, grossed the highest earnings of any series in history at $7.7 .7 billion worldwide. And this movie is based on magic and spells. Um, and I thought it was interesting because before it was a movie, it was a, it was a book. And so the author was looking for a director to you know, shoot the movie. And this is what he said. He said, Harry Potter is the kind of timeless literary achievement that comes around once in a lifetime. Since the books have generated such a passionate following across the world, it was important for us to find a director that has an affinity for both children and magic. And that stood out to me because I know somebody else who has an affinity for children and magic, and his name is the devil. And I'm not trying to, trying to condemn anybody that's seen the movie or taking their kids to see the movie, but here's what I know. I know that the, dev the devil has a counterfeit power that can't compare to the power of God. And so what he wants to do is get, 
to kids while they're young, show them a counterfeit power, and hijack their destiny. They might have a destiny to serve powerfully for the kingdom of God, but if they never are introduced or exposed to the kingdom of God, they may take this other route because they all are attracted to power. They're all seeking spiritual things. They're all seeking supernatural. So if they only know this, that's the way they're going to go. And the devil is happy to hijack your life for his gain. According to David Barrett, he's an editor of the World Christian Encyclopedia, he said there are 19 major world religions which are subdivided into a total of 270 large religious groups and then many small ones. And so people are seeking, people are hungry for this. Um, one of the religions I found, which I thought was interesting, I was just looking up like spiritual religions, and it was a religion called Happy Science. It, it is laughable. Um, about, and it talks about nine dimensions of the spirit world where people with similar, um, with similar thoughts and, and, and skills gather. And then, the, and then the ten gods that can launch world religions. So there's ten gods that can launch world religions. They hang out in the ninth dimension, which is the more powerful religion, which is just the ten gods. Now, I guess they talk about launching religions. I'm not sure. And, uh, and so that's the highest spirit realm. And this is what they say. This is, this is what the definition of happy science is. We teach you how to be happy or how we can make others happy. We teach the method of creating happiness. This is the meaning of happy science. That was from their website. Super powerful. And, uh, you know, so, so they're, they're teaching us a counterfeit joy because happiness is based on what, what happens, but the fullness of joy is based on God and is based and found in the presence of God. That's where we find the fullness of joy. So it comes from the inside. Happiness comes from what's happening on the outside. Happy science. Hilarious. Famous, um, there's famous mediums. There's people that make livings on, on uh, feeding on people, taking advantage of people, and sometimes actually helping people, connecting to the spirit realm. And it's a, it's a $2 billion industry. The highest paid uh, mediums and psychics in America are, are grossing over $5 million a year. And one of those people um, is Teresa Caputo, Caputo, whatever, Long, and she's the Long Island medium. You may have heard of her. She's the number three psychic in the, in the United States, which I'm not sure how they figure that out, but she's number three psychic. And uh, she has over three million Facebook followers. And <clears throat> I saw a special on her a couple of years ago. It says she had a two-year wait to see her. That's how hungry people are to connect with the supernatural. John Edwards is the author of Cross, The Crossing Over Show. He's recognized as the number one psychic and medium in the world. Has about a million Facebook followers. So these people have influence. These people are influencing millions and millions and millions of people with possibly a false power. We're going to get into that. 39% of men will say that they've contacted a psychic. 69% of women will admit they have contacted a psychic. 3% of men will have their psychic put a spell or a curse on people. 51% of women... I didn't make these stats up. Have asked their psychic to put a spell or a curse on somebody. So, fellas, if you are dating a woman who sees psychics, run. Run. Because there's a 50-50 chance they're going to cast a spell on you. 99.9% .9 of psychics and mediums in the United States believe in God. 89% of them actually believe in the Bible, that it's a factual account of historical events and the Word of God. 87% of psychics and mediums believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. 
which is interesting, but not shocking because the Bible talks about demons believe in Jesus. Demons know the word of God, but they have never submitted themselves to the word of God. So it's not enough just to know about. It's not enough just to know or believe that, that he's the son of God. You actually have to invite him into your life and make him Lord over your world. 95% of psychics believe in a heaven and a hell. And so <clears throat> these are just some stats to let you know that there is a world out there seeking supernatural things. There's this, something called the spiritualism movement. And uh, that's where all this stuff comes from. And it's interesting to note that the, uh, the apostolic, I always have a problem saying it. The apostolic church um, is actually one of the catalysts for the spiritualism movement. And because what happened was the, the apostolic church started experiencing power. The charismatic church, the, the Pentecostals, they started seeing power. They started seeing people speaking in tongues and, 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 and the spirit realm activated, you know, in church services and things. And so even though the ministers were condemning spiritualism as from the devil, people still were interested in the supernatural. And so they started off on their own churches and their own things and their own movement called the spiritualism movement. Another thing that um, created kind of a buzz about the spiritualism movement was um, the aftermath of the Civil War and World War I because there were so many deaths. And it's interesting because when people die unexpected, un unexpectedly, maybe they haven't, uh, people haven't had a chance to have a conversation with them, they want to speak to them. And if there is a medium or a psychic saying that, hey, I can speak to dead people, I see dead people, then maybe... You know, they're, they're preying on emotions, on tragedy, on loss. And, and, if, and if I believe that I can speak to somebody that's dead that I didn't get a chance to talk to, I'm going to reach out. And so that's what's happening with these mediums. That's what happened with the spiritualism movement. There's also uh, spiritists and, and mediums who actually um, uh, operate in healing, physical healing and mental healing. And they're, they're tapping into some kind of a power. They actually are seeing some results, and, and it was more back in the day, and, and according to this article I was reading, it was, it's kind of dying down, and one of the reasons they're saying is because it takes so much time to um, develop this gift, and you know, there's not that much time anymore or something like that, and then the other thing they said, which is hilarious, is they're blaming refined sugar and preservatives in our modern foods, something that, that was lacking in the diet, diets of the past, which is just ludicrous. So if you're having trouble seeing results in healing, stop eating sugar is what they're saying. Um, so it's crazy. But, but I do believe that there are mediums and spiritists and psychics and fortune tellers who are actually have a desire to do good. They actually have a desire to help people. And in some cases, in a temporary moments, they are helping some people. And then there's others that are just straight out trying to destroy lives and, you know, fraudulent and, and all those kinds of things. But there are people, I believe, that are gifted by God to uh, operate in the supernatural, but, but their destiny has been hijacked by evil spirits and taken them to a different place. So now they're, they are tapping into the supernatural, but it's the wrong supernatural. It's not of God. It's antichrist. And so, but, but they are trying to help people. That's why the Bible says this. It says this in 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you can't just go and, and talk to any spirit and think it's a, a spirit from God. You have to, the Bible says, test the spirits. And, you know, one of my friends was uh, in the last couple of years diagnosed with cancer. And um, she was going to a church that uh, was kind of a liberal church. And so some of her friends said, hey, let's go see a medium because this medium operates in healing, physical healing. And so she's like, great, you know, again, 
tapping into the, the emotion and the tragedy and the loss, potential loss of, you know, cancer. And so she goes to this medium and gets, uh, I don't know if what they call it, prayed for or scienced or incensed or whatever. And so she goes to this person and they pray for her. And then, and then my friend also wanted to pray for her because he, he operates in the power of God and healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. And so he goes to her and says, hey, let me pray for you as well. And so he goes to her and he said, he, he knows this scripture. He knows the Bible. And so he wanted to test the spirit that was being, you know, introduced to her through this other woman. And so he said, you know, let me test this spirit before I pray for you. And so he says, uh, you know, in Jesus' name, um, I, I, you know, I expose anything that is opposed to God. And I expose you and I command you to come into the light in Jesus' name. Well, immediately this, th my friend gets a stomach ache. She gets a, a, a stomach ache that is killing her. And so Obviously, it's not a spirit from God because that was a, a spirit manifesting in this woman that was given to her from this other person. So anyways, he immediately deals with this spirit and he casts out that devil and the pain in her stomach goes away. So then he asks her and he says, what would you like Jesus to do for you? And she says, I would like him to take away the pain of this cancer and heal me. And so he then prays for her to be healed and for the pain to go away. And she goes out under the power of God for like a day. A full day, like completely numbed and, you know, not feeling any of her cancer pains. And then, you know, she wakes up and she gets healed. She couldn't go home. She had to spend the night at the house they were at. And she gets healed of cancer. And it was almost like God, that, it, was, it was like showing, God was showing her the, the, uh, the inferior counterfeit power versus the power of God. So it's like he went overboard and just put her out under the power for a day. And said, you know, she's going to be numb and not feel any pain. Then she got healed. It was, it's very powerful, but we have to test the spirits. Because um, a, a potential scenario would be like this. And it's very understandable. Um, there, there would be uh, a person that is maybe upset, uh, oppressed by an evil spirit, okay? <clears throat> when that person dies, that spirit doesn't die. That spirit is eternal. So that spirit is released from that person when they die, and they go around and look for somebody else. Well, that spirit would be very familiar with that person's life and with the people, uh, their loved ones and their family and their friends. Um, we call it a familiar spirit. And so it would be understandable for a medium to connect with that spirit and tell that loved one all about their life. So they're not drumming up dead people. They're speaking to spirits that had an involvement in somebody's life that knows intricate secrets about that person. So, you know, Jesus doesn't go in and, and talk to dead people when he wants information. You know what he does with dead people that he wants information from? He raises them up from the dead. He doesn't need to speak to, he just, Lazarus, come forth. Get out of the grave. That's, what Jesus, that's how Jesus deals with dead people. He wants information. But but these mediums, these spirits, these impersonators, they go in and they act like they're, they're called spiritual guides. And so they'll talk to their spiritual guides about information about these people. And then the people that are being taken advantage of, they're, they're vulnerable because of emotional things and loss and tragedy. They're reaching out for this stuff. And it seems good on the surface. It seems good on the surface. I was reading about this spiritist who used to be um, into spiritualism and then she got saved. Um, you know, she encountered Christ and she got saved. And she said that um, it's almost like a, like a drug. You become addicted to these spiritual information. And the devil, his, his agenda is to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And so these, these spiritists, these spiritual guides, these evil 
um, spirits are happy to give you spiritual snacks of temporary satisfaction on your highway to hell. They're happy to give you spiritual snacks that will temporarily make you comforted or feel better on your way to hell. But, it, but it's, 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 it's counterfeit. It's the wrong power, but people are hungry for it, so they take advantage of people. Um, one of them said that, that uh, for 10 years, her spiritual guide was very nice and very sweet until she wanted to get out of that lifestyle. Then it became very angry, and it became very tough, and it became a fight for her to get free. But she eventually got free, and now she's telling her story about how she you know, encountered Christ and then got saved. And she actually said that there's a number of them that are doing that. So it's pretty powerful. But um, these, these mediums and psychics, they're... they're um, nothing new. They've been in the Bible. They're all over the Bible, and they've been around for um, thousands of years. And we're going to take a look at a story in 1 Samuel 28 that might blow your mind. Um, 1 Samuel 28, verse 6, and this is Saul. And Saul was the king of Israel under God, and uh, Samuel was a prophet. In the, in the Old Testament, God used to um, send the word of God to prophets, and then they would proclaim the word of the, uh, of the Lord to different kings and different people um, to you know, help defeat armies and things like that. And so Samuel was the prophet to Saul. Well, Samuel had passed away, and Saul was being disobedient to God, and that's how we pick up the story. 1 Samuel 28, verse 6 says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium in, at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and he went and the two men with him and they came to a woman by night because he, he, Saul knew the law. He was shameful, so he disguised himself, and then he went by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? So this medium knew that Saul had kicked out all the different uh, mediums and, and psychics because it was against the law of God. Saul knew the law. The law states this in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, verse 10, I'll start there. It says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or the one who practices witchcraft, soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or one or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. So Saul knew this. That's why he kicked out all these mediums and psychics. Yet, he was so far into his sin, so far into disobedience, he was willing to rationalize, so desperate to know what the spirit world had to say, what the supernatural was, that he reached out to an abomination. And it says this in verse 10, And Saul swore to this medium by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. It's incredible. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. And when the woman saw Samuel, the woman saw Samuel. She didn't bring up Samuel. She saw Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. In the Hebrew, it says she literally screamed out in terror. And, spoke, uh, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? 
And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So the medium didn't bring him up. The medium didn't do anything. God sent Samuel. God actually, as you do a study around this verse, that's actually me. God actually sent Samuel again to speak to Saul. It says, and Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. In other words, he already told you this, Saul. For the Lord has torn the kingdom of your hand and given it to your neighbor David because, the Lord, uh, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you in the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me dead. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. And immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And so when you look at this passage of scripture, it's amazing because this woman, this woman goes to speak to her spiritual guide and then she sees Samuel, whom God has sent to bring the word of God back to Saul. In other words, God, I get to see God and Samuel in heaven's, you know, Saul's like, I, I can't, I'm going to go to this medium because I'm not hearing from God. And God's like, gosh, I already told you, Samuel, go tell him again. Samuel's like, why have you disturbed me? I was partying in heaven. I was with God. Now I got to come back and tell you what I've already told you. And so she comes back and she's terrified because she thinks she's going to connect with her spiritual guide, but she sees Samuel. So that tells me she didn't bring him up, but it does tell me that she does see into the spirit. She does see. So there are mediums and psychics that actually do see. They're actually gifted to see into the spirit realm. They're just, they're just connecting with evil spirits, with wrong spirits. Um, so God sends them. Just like God sent Moses and Elijah to the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. You know, it's a similar kind of appearance, it, it seems like to me. So, um, so God speaks to you and I. He doesn't, like I said, need to bring up dead people. He speaks to you and I by his word. He speaks to you and I from other people. He does speak through prophets. There is prophecy. There is words of knowledge. There is words of wisdom. There is discerning of spirits. Those are all gifts of the Holy Spirit, not gifts of, of the Antichrist spirit. And so God speaks to us like that, but God also speaks to us through our spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is in us. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. That is God, the third person of the Trinity, God in you. That means you have the mind of Christ. That means you're connected straight to God. So he doesn't have to conjure up dead people. He can speak to you. Jesus died on a cross. The veil was ripped in two, unleashing the Holy Spirit, giving all of us access to him. So that's the spirit that we have access to that can speak to us. We don't need to go talk to a medium because that is actually an abomination, as the Bible says. And so there are all these different uh, supernatural showdowns, okay, in the Bible. And so I want to um, introduce you to a couple of those and talk through a couple of those so that you can see that there is a supreme power and that there is a, an inferior power. Mark 5, 6 to 13 says this. This is when Jesus is going over to deal with the demoniac. And he says, when, when the Spirit saw Jesus from afar, the Spirit ran and worshipped Jesus, the Spirit ran and worshipped Jesus. Remember, 99% uh, of the, the psychics and mediums believe in God. 
And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have you to do, Jesus, son of the most high God? They also believe in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. The spirits believe in Jesus. This, these demons believe in Jesus. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Remember when I was walking down the line and the girl started to scream? That spirit was being about to be tormented and he was scared. This, this spirit is, is, is begging Jesus not to torment him. For he said to, to the spirit, Jesus said to the spirit, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what is your name? And the spirit answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains, so all the demons begged Jesus, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission to go into the swine. Now a legion, a Roman legion in that day, was up to 6,000 soldiers, organized and powerful. But I love Jesus because he, he confronts this 6,000 potentially spirits in this man by himself, and, they, and the spirits start to negotiate. They don't negotiate whether they can stay or leave. They negotiate where they're going. Because when an evil spirit uh, confronts the power of Jesus Christ, they know they can't stay, but they have to go. And so they come to Jesus, don't cast us out. Don't torment us. Don't kick us out of the country. Let us go into this swine. And so Jesus, the Bible says, gives them permission. They only have, they can, they only have power by the permission that you give them. They can only do what you tell them they can do. The problem is most Christians don't realize that they have the authority to tell demons what to do. And so demons overcome and overtake and wreck people's lives because Christians are oblivious of their own authority. And demons can recognize this stuff. It's crazy, but what I love about this story, what I love about this supernatural showdown is it's one Jesus, it's one man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, confronting 6,000 demons, and the demons lose. The demons lose. That's how powerful Jesus Christ is. That's how powerful the supreme power in the earth is. You and I, you and I have that same spirit in us, like I said, and Jesus has given us the power of attorney to use his name. So that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, God in us, and then we have the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, that is the greatest name in the heavens, earth, and beneath the earth to operate in supernatural power. We don't need to mess with mediums. We don't need to mess with this counterfeit stuff. We have the real thing. We have the supreme power of God. And now this is the power that the devil tries to simulate, but it is his power is uncomparable. He cannot simulate this power. The only thing he can do is, is try to get us when we are uninformed and introduce us to a power that we think is the power. So we chase after a power, but it's not the power. And then our lives are hijacked and our destinies are stolen from us because we were introduced to a power that we were seeking that we thought was Jesus, but it wasn't Jesus. And so um, that's some of, the, some of the people that I know that are the most powerful in the kingdom. Some people that operate um, in signs, wonders, and miracles now serving God were once serving the devil. They were serving the devil and they were gifted to serve God, but they were hijacked and now they were serving the devil. So they were tapping into supernatural things, maybe even healing, maybe even speaking to spirits. But then they encountered 
Jesus. They encountered God and then they changed the trajectory of their life. And Jesus took them. And now because they were so um, sensitive to the spirit, because they understood it, because they believed in it, now they're operating powerfully in the power of God. And I know people in our church that that has happened to. And so uh, Jesus wants to use people that are passionate about whatever they're doing. Because if he can redirect that passion, he can redirect that energy, then you can be a powerful evangelist for the kingdom of God. That's what Paul was. Remember, Paul used to be named Saul. And Saul was persecuting Christians. He was dragging Christians out of church. They were being stoned. He was, he, was, he was the leader of the persecution of the church. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. On the road to Damascus, he gets knocked off of his feet by the supreme power, the power of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, is that you? And Jesus says, yes, it is me, Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. And Paul says, oh my gosh, what do you want me to do? He recognized that the power he was seeking wasn't the true power, wasn't the supreme power, wasn't the supreme authority, wasn't Jesus. But when he saw that it was Jesus, he said, Jesus, what can I do? And I believe God was looking down at, at Saul and saying, man, this guy is passionate. Galatians 1.14 1, Galatians says, I have advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father's. And so God looked down and he said, man, some of the Christians aren't even passionate for the power of God. I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to go and confront that, that devil, show him the real power. Now he's going to be an effective evangelist for the kingdom. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but it was because he was exceedingly zealous and passionate and believed in what he was doing. So God just kind of changed his trajectory and made him a powerful Christian. Because God can do without lukewarm Christianity. One foot in and one foot out equals unusable. The Bible says he actually spits out lukewarm. He doesn't like it. So we need to be passionate people. And we should be the most passionate people because we serve a supreme power, the power of God. So that's who we need to be. Acts 19, this is another supernatural, um, supernatural showdown. Acts 19, 11. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and that diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So this is, this is a piece of cloth, clothing, an apron that was on a man of God anointed by the Holy Spirit that when touched other people, sicknesses and demons left. It doesn't even say these things were prayed over. It just says that, that they took them off and they touched people with them and sicknesses and demons left. That's how powerful our God is. Acts 16, verse 16. I love this. This is um, Paul again. It says, now it happened as we, Paul and Silas, went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace and to the authorities. I like Paul because he's just walking around and there's this annoying spirit. And he just gets annoyed and he turns to him and he says, come out of her. And the demon leaves just like that. I think some of us need to get annoyed with the way that we're living, with the strongholds we believe in, with the, with the unbelief that is, uh, that is swimming around in our heads, 
We need to get annoyed with that thing and cast it out and go a different direction. The very first showdown actually happened in heaven. About a year ago, my son Holton was uh, in the bathroom taking care of business, and uh, he randomly just opens the door and he yells out. I just happened to be like in the hallway, and he says, Satan used to be an angel, but then he wanted to be better than God, so then he became Satan. (laughs) And this is what he was talking about. The original supernatural showdown that, that happened in heaven. This is what we learn in uh, kids' church. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15 talks about, O Lucifer, son of the morning. See, people say, why did God create evil? Why did God create Satan? God created Lucifer, son of the morning. But Lucifer became Satan because pride filled him. And he started to say, I will exalt. He wanted the, the position of God. So he said, I will exalt myself above the most high God. I will, I will, I will. It says it five times in this, in this verse. And because of that, war broke out in heaven. God said, no, you won't. This is my house. And he kicks Satan out of heaven. Him and, him and his angels go. And it is the biggest free fall in the history of the world from heaven to earth. Satan and all of his devils. And this is what it says in Romans 12, 7 to 9. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was the place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So that right there is a great reason why the devil hates you and he hates me. Because he tried to exalt himself and become God. And God said, not on my watch, not in my house. So God kicks him out of heaven. He knows his time is short and his future is in the lake of fire. So he hates you and I. So he is happy to deceive you and I with a counterfeit power and rob us of our destiny in God and take us down a path to hell. That's why the church... That's why the church has to operate in power. Because if we aren't operating in power, there's a generation behind us that will go seek counterfeit power in the earth because we are wired for it. We need it. There's a void in us. Why do you think there's so much controversy over the gifts of the Spirit? Why do you think people rage against speaking in tongues and and prophecy and, you know, words of knowledge and and, uh, healings and miracles? Why do you think there's such such a fight? It's because the devil doesn't want a church that's going to rise up in power. That's why. Because it's, he wants them to, to only see the counterfeit power. Because he knows how we're wired. That's why he will start young. Maybe with movies. Maybe with you know, the ability for people to just buy Ouija boards and, and whatever. And he'll try to get you hooked and you'll be addicted. And he'll continue to feed you spiritual snacks of temporary satisfaction on the highway to hell. So that's why. C3 Church is important to our city because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We're connected to the supreme power. But we need to share that with our city. We need to share that with our family. We need to be equipped to defend our faith for what is our hope that is within us.